We are dedicated to spreading the good news of Jesus Christ through all available means with a sole focus of teaching the word, making it plain, sharing it with love. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I'm a believer. I'm not a doubter. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above only. I'm not beneath. I'm blessed and I cannot be cursed. I shall live and not die and declare the salvation of the Lord. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. My life is getting better after I've heard and done the word of the Lord. Amen. Good morning, Faith Temple. I'll be reading the scriptures for this morning. And we're going to be coming from Ephesians 4. I'll be reading a few passages from Ephesians 4. I'm reading the easy-to-read version. The first passage is Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, and it reads, So as a prisoner for the Lord, I beg you to live the way God's people should live, because he chose you to be his. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient and accept each other with love. You are joined together with peace through his spirit. Do all you can do, do all you can to continue as you are, letting peace hold you together. There is one body and one spirit, and God chose you to have one hope. There is one Lord and one faith and one baptism. There is one God and Father of us all, who rules over everyone. He works through all of us and in all of us. The second verses come from 14 through 16. And it says, then we will no longer be like babies. We will not be people who are always changing like a ship that the waves carry one way and then another. We will not be influenced by every new teaching we hear from people who are trying to deceive us. Those who make clever plans and use every kind of trick to fool others into following the wrong way. No, we will speak the truth with love. We will grow to be like Christ in every way. He is the head, and the whole body depends on him. All the parts of the body are joined and held together, with each part doing its own work. This causes the body to grow and to be stronger. And the last passage comes from Ephesians 4, 29 through 32, and it reads, When you talk, don't say anything bad. But say the good things that people need, whatever will help them grow stronger. Then what you say will be a blessing to those who hear you. And don't make the Holy Spirit sad. God gave you his spirit as proof that you belong to him and that he will keep you safe until the day he makes you free. Never be bitter, angry, or mad. Never shout angrily or say things to hurt others. Never do anything evil. Be kind and loving to each other. Forgive each other the same as God forgave you through Christ. May God add a blessing to the hearers, doers, and believers of his word. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sister April, for the reading of the word. I thank God for the opportunity to be with you this morning. I do believe that 2022 is a year for change for all of those who want 
to go. I believe that in 2022, we are going to be challenged in ways that we should have been challenged before. And maybe we were challenged before and we just did not take on the challenge. I want to encourage you on today to today to hear this word. If you do not hear another word in all of 2022, I want you to hear this word in a way that you can apply it and live by it. And I promise you, because I have that much confidence in the word of God, that it will change your whole life. It may not make you richer, but it will make you more peaceful. It will give you joy that you never thought possible. And who knows when you become a peace person, a person that brings peace, a person that lives faith out so loud, so loudly that it brings peace to every situation that you enter into. Perhaps it will also make you richer. Perhaps you will also get elevations on your job and get recognitions and all those kinds of things. But I do know that this word will change your life. And it is a continuation of our next level living, next level thinkings we will be talking about for all or at least most of 2022. And today we will talk about how to handle conflicts and quarrels in a way that honors God and expresses your faith in his word. What I like about the topic today is that it doesn't require us to pretend that conflict and quarrels won't happen, even amongst us, even amongst those of us who call ourselves redeemed by the blood of the Lord. Conflicts and quarrels are bound to happen. If we can accept that where there are two people, there is the possibility of conflict and quarrels, then we should lean into this word to say, Lord, how do I deal with those things in a way that will give you glory? Because where there are two people, the only way there will never be conflict is if someone has lost their voice or somebody in the relationship has become a bully or someone has not uh, uh, owned up to their own feelings because they've become accustomed to not owning their feelings or tragically some people have even trained themselves to not even be aware of what truly matters to them so they fight about everything or they don't stand up for anything but where there are two people who have things that matter deeply to them conflict will arise. So if we can accept that, if we can accept that foundation, then we can accept that there is something that we need to do about it and we need to handle it in a way that honors God. So today's message doesn't ask us to pretend that we are robots or that we don't feel anything or to, to deny that stuff that bothers us, bothers us. It just provides a prescription and a framework for how we should handle these times, again, in a healthy way that honors God. But before I get too far into the message, I want to provide some definitions because it is important when we are communicating, when we are conversing about a topic that we all understand what we are talking about in a similar way. So when I say conflict, I'm talking about a serious disagreement 
or an argument and it's usually one that has gone on for a long time if we want to look to literature or Hollywood or uh, uh, for an example perhaps you have heard of the Hatfields and the McCoys this was a family conflict a conflict between two families actually that had gone on from generation to generation to generation and sometimes the conflict has gone on so long that you may have even forgotten the origin of it you just going with it because your family had always gone with it you just know that you don't like somebody or you're mad at somebody or you even hate someone and you have you no longer know how it got there because it has gone on so long. So we're talking about conflict. And even as I give this definition, I challenge you to think about any conflicts that you have in your life. Maybe maybe you've lived in a community for so long that you remember when they used to. And because of that, you have taught your children or your grandchildren to stay away from so-and-so because they ain't never been no good. You know how we are. So I want you to think about conflict, any conflict that you have in your life. And I want you to be honest with yourself this morning. Do you think that in any way, form or fashion that that pleases God? I want you to be honest with you. You don't have to call me. You don't have to send me a text. You don't have to send a, a word to anybody else, but you do have to be honest with yourself this morning if you want to move from where you are in this regard. And then when I say quarrel, I'm talking about something that may be a little more acute, a heated argument or a heated dis discussion. And what, what's really odd about a quarrel, what's really odd to me about a quarrel is that it usually happens between people who are otherwise on good terms and it's usually something that's trivial. But we have become so passionate and we have become so set in our position and the way that we see things that something now that was so trivial has become so major. And one of the things that you might want to think about is when we hear about married couples arguing over a toilet seat. There is not much more trivial than a toilet seat, but day after day after day, some sort of how we make this trivial thing become so major in our marriage that now we are arguing about something so trivial. So that's really what a quarrel is. And usually we find ourselves in this state with people at home because we take our relationships for granted at home or at work because we see these people day after day and they're always doing something or we see, or we see ourselves in this situation at school because my friend ain't talking to that friend and, and we all just get caught up in these trivial matters and yes and yes I submit to you today that we even see it in the church. We even see it in the church amongst the body of believers. And so we're going to deal with it today in a way that when we walk away, I hope everybody feels loved. I hope everybody feels confirmed. And I hope everybody feels convicted because this is a topic that I know does not exclude any of us, present, present company included. We are all 
subject to finding ourselves in quarrels and God forbid conflicts, but mostly quarrels about stuff that at the end of the day doesn't really even matter. That is why, and I've given a lot of thought about this, that is why when people pass away, we have this need to make our relationship uh, more pleasant than it was or the person more angelic than it was because in that moment, we realize that most of the stuff that we fought about, most of the stuff that we got upset about doesn't even matter at the end of the day. And so then we try to clean up the history. But I'm saying to you today that if you accept this as a word for your life, then you can stop doing that. You can start telling the truth about my relationship with my brother or my mother or my sister or my father when they passed away. But when we find ourselves at that moment for the things that really matter, then we want to minimize the trivial stuff. And so I submit to you today that the stuff was always trivial. You just didn't have the skills to deal with it in a healthy manner that give God glory. And so thankfully, we're not the first humans on earth, nor the first ones in the church who have had to deal with conflicts and quarrels. And so we have the early church and the word of God to look for, uh, look towards for answers. And so what I want to do right now is to recall briefly a history of the church. I can't go into it all. I do uh, encourage you, as I always do, to read the word of God, to read the history of the church so that you will know why you serve who you serve and how we got to this point in history. And so I know that you all don't want to listen to me talk three hours. And so I'm just going to encourage you to go and look into the details to be like the Bereans and search the word of God and see if what I am saying today is true. And so when we think about the early church and we realize that it was comprised of Jewish believers and non-Jewish believers or Christians of the Jewish diaspora, or you may even call them the Gentiles. And so because we had Jews and we had Gentiles who were trying to figure out Christianity, conflict uh, was always present. It was, it was always on the brink of happening. And if you recall from your word, you have James, uh, who was Jesus's brother and also was um, um, one of the, the early disciples. He had become the leader of the Jewish believers. And then I know that we all know about Paul and his conversion on the road to Damascus. And after that conversion in like three years or so of growing in Christ, he uh, became the leader of the Gentile uh, believers. And so you had a source of conflict as the Jewish believers were still doing things that the Gentiles considered under the law. So for example, they were still participating in circumcision and they still had special days and they still were doing all of the things that they were doing uh, as uh, Jews. It's just that now they believe that Christ had come as the savior of the world. And then you have the Gentile believers who did not have a Jewish history. They didn't understand uh, why the Jews were still doing that. And neither did the Jewish Christians understand why the Gentile believers were rejecting these practices under the name of Christian freedoms. And so um, 
one other thing that is important for us to uh, to understand is that the Jewish leaders, James and all of those uh, disciples have worked with Jesus directly during his earthly mission. And so there probably was an elitism that they had, that they knew Jesus and they had walked with him for three years and they understood what he said. They heard it with their own Ears. And one of the things that they heard him say is that he had not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So, so these kinds of things made them have a hard time understanding what was happening amongst the Gentile believers. And then they also knew that Paul had only had a personal experience with Jesus. He wasn't one of the original uh, uh, disciples. And so that left a place for them to even question Paul's experience at all. And so there was this conflict arising between James, Jesus's brother, who was the leader of the Jewish church, and Paul, who was the leader of the Gentile church. And then we have Peter that's sitting in the middle. And I think that I kind of identify with Peter a little bit. And I think he must have been a middle child or something because he was that dude, that guy that just wanted everybody to get along. And so sometimes when he was with the Jewish believers, he was doing all the things that the Jews did. Uh, He was high-fiving them on the circle. He was attending the circumstance, circumcisions and attending the festivals and doing all those kinds of things. And then when he would hang with the Gentiles, he would do the non-Jewish things. He would tell them, oh, you don't have to uh, worry about the meat that you eat and meat being sacrificed to idols. He would participate in these non-Jewish type things. And so in Galatians, and I think it's around the second chapter or something, these things were coming to a head and Paul and Peter got into it. Now there is a disagreement about whether the conflict was real or whether it was staged so that so that Peter could quote get on get told off in front of um, Jewish believers I don't know I wasn't there I'm not enough of a historian of the Bible to say but I do know that there is the description of a conflict between Paul and Peter in uh, Galatians because basically Paul was saying that Peter had started acting funny towards the Gentile believers when his Jewish friends came along. The Bible tells us that James, for some reason, had sent a contingency to check on what was going on with Paul and to, and the Gentiles. And when these Jewish believers showed up, in, uh, uh, Peter started acting weird. He started acting funny. You know how it is, like he was busted. And so he started pulling away from the Gentile believers and started hanging with the Jewish believers almost as if he were condemning their freedoms in Christ. And so when you go into the scripture and you read it, you'll see that Paul essentially, to use our language today, checks Peter. He gets Peter told, and the Bible says he does it to his face. He does it to his face. So I don't know what that conversation was actually like, but I do think that it's important that that Paul went to Peter and did it in his face. Now, because of we're in 2022, sometimes we may think that in his face means contentious and telling him off and that sort of thing. But I believe that it means that he went to him and talked to him instead of talking about him. And so 
when I was thinking about that, I was like, there's a lot we can learn from this early conflict and from what James and Paul subsequently write about how to deal with conflicts and quarrels when they arise and why we deal with them in the first place. So the scriptures that Sister April read uh, at the beginning of the sermon is, is really the solution. Um, to conflict and quarrels. But before we get into the solution, I want us to first look at the source. I want us to look at the behavior and and then we'll look to the solution. And so if you will go to with me to James 4, go with me to James 4. I am going to read out of the uh, uh, New International Version. You can read out of whichever version you want because I think we will walk away with the same idea. And so James 4, 1 through 4, will give us a real, it, it will help us get real about the source of every conflict or every quarrel that we find ourselves in. And so when we read the word of the Lord out of James 4, the first verse says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? And so that's the first point under the source of quarrels and conflict. James says, that the first source of conflict is the desires that battle within you. James offers the point of view that every problem you have with others is rooted inside of you. That's why you're the one that's always irritated. That's why you're the one that's always mad about something. That's why the one, the reason you're always the one in the middle of conflict and the middle of mess and even starting mess and won't stop the mess because there is something on the inside of you. It's rooted on the inside of you. And so I'm going to suggest to you this morning that you need to make peace with you. That's the first peace you need to make. You need to make peace with you before you are able to make peace with anybody else. Why is it that you're the only one that's irritated by what's going on? Why is it that you're the only one that's mad? It's not about that thing. It's about what's going on with you. And so the first thing you need to do is to deal with the conflict that is on the inside of you. I didn't say it. That's what the word of God says. It says that you're fighting and you're quarreling because of the desires that are battling on the inside of you. So it's inside of you. So when you find yourself irritated or mad, the first question you need to ask yourself is why am I irritated or mad or sad or whatever is going on with you? That's the first question. Deal with the conflict inside of you. Make peace with you. If you are unable to make peace with you, I submit to you today that you will not be able to make peace with anybody else. That's the word of God. And so I invite you again to go into the word of God. James 4 goes on to say in verse 2, you desire, but you do not have. So you kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. And so the second source of the problem, the second source of the quarrels, the second source of the conflict is because you want what you want. 
and you don't have it. You want what you want and you don't have it. You want somebody else to be something that they're not. You want somebody to do something that they're not. And so you don't have it and you want it. And so then you start acting up. You start creating conflicts and quarrels. We're still dealing with you right now. I know, I know that you thought the source of your issues was somebody else, but it's your issues. And I want to say to you today that the only thing worse than a toddler having a temper tantrum in public is grown folks having a temper tantrum anywhere. If everybody does what they want, conflict is inevitable. So why do you want what you want? And and why are you acting ugly? Because you don't have it. That's, that's what you need to ask yourself. You haven't gotten to me yet. You haven't gotten outside of yourself yet. We're trying to figure out how to make peace with ourselves this morning. So why do you want what you want? And why are you mad because you don't have it? I want you to ask yourself some real questions this morning because I know you thought that I was your problem. I know you thought that somebody else was your problem. But James is telling us this morning that you are your own problem, that the reason you can't get along with other people, the reason you mad about everything is because you have desires that's battling on the inside of you. It's because you uh, don't have what you want, but you still want it. And then the third thing he tells us in verse three is that, well, in verse two, he goes on to say, you do not have it because you do not ask God. And then he says, when you ask, you don't receive it because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And so we see two more two more sources of conflict. The third source, the first one is the battles within you. The second one is that you want what you want and you don't have it. The third one is that you don't have it because you ask you don't ask God. And so then you have conflict with God. You are too busy fighting and too busy being mad and too too busy gossiping and too busy avoiding and too busy lying to ask God for guidance and help to deal with the conflict and the battles and the desires on the inside of you. So you just keep fighting. You keep circling the block. You keep being mad. You keep quarreling. You keep causing conflict because you don't take the time to ask God. And then James says, even when you do ask, when you finally get around to asking, you ask with the wrong motives. And then, and then you still don't get it. You still don't get it. And when I was reading this and thinking about this, you know, that movie, I think it's the clumps. One of those movies that Eddie Murphy had where that old, the older mom, the grandmom or whatever, she was mad. And she said, uh, she started praying and she said, Lord, get them, give them a stroke or something. That's how we are. We ask Lord, get them, change them, make them. And Lord forbid we say, give them a stroke or something. But sometimes we act like that. We want the Lord to remove them by any means possible. You just all kinds of wrong. You in conflict with yourself. You in conflict with God. You asking him for things that he ain't going to never do. Instead of asking the Lord to deal with you, you always asking the Lord to deal with them. That's the source 
of the problem. That's the source of the problem. I didn't say it. The word of God said it. I just read it to you. James 4, 1 through 4 says the problem, the source is that the desires that battle inside of you, that you want what you want and you don't have it. So you running around like an adult having temper tantrums everywhere. Then he says you don't have it because you don't even take time to ask God. You're too busy doing other stuff. And then when you do ask, you're not asking that he changes you. You're not asking that he gives you compassion and understanding. And will. You ask that he make them do something. And so that's the source. That's the source. If you don't get any further in this sermon today, I need you to accept the source because at least you can then go to God and say, Lord, help me. And so that's the source. The next section of this sermon, and I'm going to move on, is the behavior so what does it look like when you're the problem or when I'm the problem, when all of these things are raging on the inside of us? What does it look like? It looks like gossiping. I'm going to lead the charge to tear somebody else down. I'm going to lead the charge to sow discords of, of, of seeds of discord all over the body. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be the one that's spreading the rumors. I'm going to do it. And so I say it looks like gossiping. That's the first behavior. And so I know, I know, I'm not going to even ask you. I know that we are all guilty. And here's what we do. We usually think we have that one person that we could tell things to. And so we go run to that one person. But deep down in our heart, we're hoping that that one person has one person. And that that one person has another person. And that's some sort of how that it gets back around to the person that I really wanted to get to. Because we're cowards. And so we sequester ourselves off with somebody that we think thinks like us. What what does that say about you that you only want to talk to somebody that thinks like you and you huddle and you gossip and you and you and you spread the rumors, you lead the charge. That's what it looks like when your desires are raving on the inside of you and you don't get what you want. That's what it looks like. And some of y'all think that it's safe to gossip because that's my husband or that's my wife or that's my boo or whatever you call it. I'm saying to you that the word does not give provision for you to gossip, period. It does not make a uh, provision for me to gossip period so squash the behavior squash the behavior if you want to please God and if you want to resolve conflicts in a way that pleases God the second way this behavior looks you're not the one that's leading the charge but you are the trash can you are the trash can everybody know that they can come to you and bring that mess and they know you too much of a coward to speak up and say don't bring that to my door I don't want to hear that about sister so and so or pastor so and so that's why they keep calling your phone number it ain't that they, they like you so much it's that you've become a trash can and you too scared to tell people that you're not a trash can or even worse, you become a dog. Y'all know that saying that a dog that'll carry a bone, a dog that'll bring a bone will carry a bone. And you so silly, you thinking that the person that's coming to you talking about somebody else won't actually talk about you to somebody else. So you either the trash can that won't say anything or you the dog that's bringing and carrying stuff all over the body. That's the behavior. That's the second behavior. The third behavior is that you the type of person that won't take a stand 
stand for anything. You know that they lying. You know that it's wrong. But you so much of a coward. And I'm using that word intentionally. Because when these behaviors show up. What it should say to you. Is that I have some unresolved things going on the inside of me. And instead of dealing with it in a way that brings God glory. These are the things that I am doing. Some people can stand in front of you lying to your face. And you don't even have the words. You don't even have the skill set to say that that's not true. You too much of a coward to challenge it. And so you let people go on in their folly. And sometimes people just need to need to hear you say, wait a minute. Or like sister Anita will say, pull up. Or let me, let me hold you into account for your behavior. You too coward to do that. So you just let people walk around in the air of their ways and you won't tell them the truth. And you know that they will listen to you. You know that you have a relationship with you and you still won't tell them the truth. You want everybody else to adjust so that they can deal with that stuff instead of you taking a stand and telling the truth. So that's the third behavior. You won't take a stand for anything. The fourth behavior that is the, that uh, uh, creates an environment for conflicts and quarrels is that you don't follow through on your commitment. Just lying everywhere. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And you leaving people hanging and people are in their homes trying to deal with the mess that you started and you going on to the next person, making the next commitment that you know you are not going to follow through on. That's that's cowardly behavior. That's lying behavior. That is problematic behavior. It is behavior that is causing an environment for conflict and quarrels all over the place. And you are walking around like you don't even see it. And then the people who don't want to take a stand for anything, hoping that somebody else deals with the behavior. You deal with the behavior. You're around them more than I am. You're around them more than somebody else is. And if you, if I know they're not following through on commitments, you know they're not following through on commitments. And that is a behavior that creates an environment for conflict and quarrels. And we get so accustomed to doing it that we just keep on doing it. I'm calling these all of these behaviors out today because in 2022, we are going to think differently and we are going to be differently. Uh, and I speak that according to the power that the Holy Spirit has given me to do so in the name of Jesus, because I know that it is according to his will. So the fifth behavior is that we don't communicate appropriately or we become avoidant. If you, if something, if a conflict arises between two people or a quarrel arises between two people. There is a way and the word of God tells us to lovingly tell the truth. There is a way to tell the truth, to communicate appropriately so that people can hear what you are saying and not reject it, go into reject mode, not feel like you are tearing them down without going into the details. I want to say I had a very difficult conversation with somebody this week. It was a tough topic, but it was a necessary topic. And the person that was hearing me was so mature that they said, thank you. Thank you for telling me there is a way 
to tell a hard truth in love so that people will be better and not bitter. But you refuse to communicate appropriately. You refuse to communicate at all because somebody told you that being silent was more appropriate than saying anything. I'm saying to you that it's not. It is inappropriate for you to be silent instead of to find a loving way to tell the truth. If you are going to be that person that, that's silent and you're throwing daggers through your eyes and you in conflict on the inside, you need to find a way to lovingly tell the truth. Stop being avoidant. Get the skills to have the conversation that you need to have. The next behavior is complaining and fussing all the time. You know you. You know you. You know you better than I am. It's always somebody that's the made you mad, that's irritated you, that why are they doing that? Always feeling like the victim, always complaining, always fussing about everything. That behavior creates an environment for conflict and quarrels, creates the environment. Instead of doing that, deal with you. Why is it you that's upset? And then find the words and find the spirit to have the conversation in a way that builds somebody up and not tears them down. And then the final way, the seventh way, I'm giving you seven ways. The seventh way is insisting that the only way to see something is the way that you see it. The only way to solve a problem, the only way to do something is the way that you see it. No, other people don't see it like you because they are not you. Even if you had a twin, they still are not you. Their experiences are different. And so the way that they think about things are going to be different. There's more than one way to do almost anything. And so become tolerant of other people's ideas and the way that they see things. If you are one of them that think that things have to only be the way that you want them to be, then you're always going to be in environments where conflict and quarrels. So that's the behavior. We've dealt with the source. We've dealt with the behavior. And now we want to uh, look at the solution. And Sister April actually read the solution to you this morning. I don't know if you were, uh, how hard you were listening. So I'm going to read it again. And I know that we're going a little longer than I wanted to this morning. But this is important because, again, it will free your whole life. It will free your whole life. So what is the solution? We go to Ephesians 4. And this is Paul. This is Paul writing in Ephesians 4. And when we look into Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, we... um. We uh, see Paul talking about what it looks like to have a unified body and a mature body. See, we get upset when somebody say you acting like a child, but we do. The stuff that I'm going to read to you right now, the stuff that I am going to say to you right now, it can be found amongst mature believers. If you find it hard for you to do, then you need to run to the throne of God. He's given you the right to be there, to come boldly, to say, help me, God, to do this. Help me to own my own mess. Help me to see that the problem is inside of me. That's the hardest part. That's the hardest part for us to own our own stuff and to go before God for the personal prescription for us. We want other people to change so that we can remain comfortable. But the word of the Lord is coming to you today so that you can change. So what does it look like? What does it look like to have a life that is worthy of the calling? That's what Paul says. 
you have already received this calling. Now live a life that is reflective of the calling. It's not just about not stealing from somebody or not having sex with somebody else. It is about doing the mature thing. And so the mature thing here, it says be completely humble and gentle. I know that you've got a lot of... Uh, rewards and, 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 and accolades for being strong. We like to say that I'm a strong woman. I'm a strong or he got through that. There's a different kind of strength that Paul is talking about here. He's talking about the strength to be humble, the strength to be gentle when people are not being gentle to you. He says, if you are completely humble and gentle, if you are patient, if you bear with one another in love, you can change the whole atmosphere. It doesn't take two. It takes you. It takes me to be completely humble and gentle. That's what he's saying here. He says, make every effort. Every effort means every effort. It does. It, it's no, nowhere that it stops. It says, keep doing it and keep doing it. Make every effort to be unified in the spirit through the bond of peace. Through the bond of peace. Make every effort. Why? Because there's only one body. And there's only one spirit. And so think about your own body. How can your toe hurt without your neurons filling it and your brain interpreting the pain? It's the same thing here. But in the body of Christ, because we don't see ourselves as one body, we take our hand and punch our own selves in the eye because we don't see ourselves as one body. Who would do that? Who would sit in their right mind and take a pen and stick it? in their own eye. But because we are not mature, we don't see that when I tear you down, I'm, I'm cutting off my own toe. Or when I gossip about you, I'm ripping up my own ear. That is what Paul is saying here. We have one body. We were called to one hope. We have one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God who is the father of of us all who is over all and through all and in all. So how do you think that one father feels? He doesn't love you more than he loves me. So how do you think he feels when he overhears your conversation? When he overhears you tearing me down instead of coming to me to talk to me? When he overhears you tolerating people bringing junk to you? When he sees you avoiding the truth? When he sees you making all of these commitments that you're not going to gonna uh, follow through in. How do you think he feels? I want you to think about that for a second. One father loving all of his children the same and he sees us tearing each other down. You're, you're a mother or a father. You're a parent. How would you feel if your children were all out at war with one another, always quarreling over foolishness or even worse than that, have allowed the conflict to get so big that they no longer even speak to one another? How would you feel if it were your children. That's how he feels. We are all his children. He loves all of us equally and with the unyielding commitment. And so it hurts his heart. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, it hurts his heart to see how we do one another. And we go down to verse 14. He says, don't be infants any longer, tossed back and forth by the waves like you don't know who you are. You've received this great calling. You have been called to this. He says, so stop being blown here and there by every wind of teaching. Stop being uh, uh, drawn away by crafty people. He said, instead, speak the truth in love. 
That's where we go back to. I know somebody told you to just be quiet. That's not the scripture. The scripture says, find a way to speak the truth in love. How else am I going to be helped? How else are the blinders going to be pulled from my eyes if, if nobody ever learns to speak the truth to me? I want to live right. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Bible says that the Lord is on the inside of me, willing me to do his will. I want to live right. But those things, I'm like Paul, those things that I want to do, I don't do. And those things that I don't want to do, that's what I find myself doing. So when I find myself doing things that I don't want to do, if you haven't learned how to come to me in love and to speak the truth, how am I ever going to be better? How am I ever going to get right? How am I ever going to get to a place where I please God with my whole heart? We are in this thing together. We are in this thing together and we need each other. And the Bible says, when I speak the truth in love, when you speak the truth in love, we grow in every respect. We grow all over the place. Every respect means every respect. We are joined together, whether we're poking each other in the eyes or not, whether we're cutting our toes out or not. Ephesians says that we are joined together. And so we may as well love each other. We may as well tell each other the truth. And we may as well respect the fact that all of us are doing the work that God has called us to. All of us have growth opportunities and we need each other to be able to get to the place that we need to go. And then finally, in Ephesians in the 29th through the 32nd verse, it says like this, don't let un any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Don't talk about people unless you are building them up. Only do what is helpful to building others up according to their needs, not yours. That's why we have unwholesome talk out of our mouths because we are so uh, focused on trying to get what we want. That goes back to James. But Paul is telling us to don't do that, to use our words to build up others according to what they need. So what if their needs are different than yours? Focus on somebody else. But when you make peace with yourself, when you love yourself, uh, the way that God needs you to love yourself so that you can love your neighbor, you will have no problem figuring out what their needs are and ministering to those needs because that is what's going to stop the unwholesome talk from coming out of your mouth. And then it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God because you are sealed with him to the day of redemption. So I want you to think about Siamese twins. You locked with that person for life. You are locked with the Holy Spirit for life. How miserable is it for you to be shoulder to shoulder with somebody locked in there and then they always mad because you are grieving them. You're doing something to them. You're making them sad. We don't even like to be around people when they're sad and depressed. The Bible says don't grieve the Holy Spirit because you locked with them. I need you to get that visual in your mind. The Bible says you are sealed until the day of redemption. Why would you be sealed with something that's inside of you and you are the source of making them sad and depressed? And so how do we do that? How do we not grieve the Holy Spirit? Verse 31 says to get rid of all. Somebody say to yourself all. All means all. That means Nothing is left out. It says, get rid of all bitterness, all rage, all anger, all brawling, all slander, and every form of malice. There just is no place. And I hope you accept it because it's in the word of God. There is no place for quarreling and conflict 
in the body of Christ. There is no place. And if we grow up and become mature, like Paul is telling us, if we learn how to be kind and compassionate, like it says in the word, if we learn how to forgive each other, just like Christ forgave us, then we could grow up in this thing and we can get rid of the conflict and the quarreling. So that is the challenge for you today. And as I close, and I'm going to say these scriptures quickly because I know that this message is being recorded and you can go to one of the platforms or you could go into the uh, group me message and get these scriptures. But I do want you to have them because this topic is so important to God that the Bible is filled with words on how to handle this. And even though I can't go into the details of all of them today, I do want to take time to list them. I hope you are taking notes because I'm going to give you enough scripture and then I'm going to challenge you to read them and to meditate on them so that the Lord can change your mind and your thought and your whole life. So here we go. And I'm going to go quickly. Here we go. The first scripture is 1 Corinthians 3 and 3. The second scripture is 1 Corinthians 14 and 33. 2 Corinthians 13 and 11. Proverbs 16 and 28. 2 Timothy 2 and 24. 2 Timothy 2 and 14, 1 Timothy 6, 4 through 5, Colossians 3 and 15, Romans 14 and 19, 2 Corinthians 13 and 11, Hebrews 12 and 14, Philippians 4 and 7, Proverbs 20 and 3, Galatians 5 and 17, Proverbs 13 and 10, Romans 12 and 18, Psalms 34 and 14, and James 4, which is the scripture we dealt with today, and Ephesians 4. I want you to read through both of those chapters. And when you get to the end of January, if you have read and you have meditated, you should be different. You should have the tools that you need um, to, to come to the same conclusion that I did. And that is that quarreling does not glorify God. Conflict does not glorify God. And neither of them should be named amongst us, whether we are at home, at work, or even at church. That doesn't mean, again, that there won't be opportunities for conflict and quarrels. It just means that when they do arise, we will be equipped and committed to handling them in a way that glorifies God. We need to be peacemakers. We need to bring the peace. And I want to remind you in my closing that Matthew 5 and 9 says, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. Peace takes work, but the reward is being named a child of God. And for me, that is worth it. And for you, that is the word for you today. Thank you.